It is the 21st century. There are too many video games. But out there, it's waiting. The best video game you've never played. Welcome to the best video game you've never played, the podcast where I, stand-up and improv comedian Lewis Dunn, give my guest suggestions for what I think is the best video game that they have never played. Yes, we flipped the format, we're in this stage of the podcast now. How long will it go on for? As long as I am able to get hold of guests I've already talked to. This week's guest is Mungo Tatton Brown, he's come back. Last time we chatted, I played The Red Strings Club, which was a psychological, philosophical adventure game all about the nature of mind control and existence, and in return, I have given Mungo a game that I think was one of the most atmospheric and interesting games that I played in the year 2020. What is it? You're going to have to listen slash read the title of the podcast to find out, but let's crack on as we now speak to Mungo Tatton Brown. Hello, Mungo. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? I am all right. I haven't had a bit of an adventure lately, but I, I'm not sure whether our guests uh, will be particularly intrigued. Maybe they, maybe they'll be more <laughs> intrigued by the mystery of me not saying anything. That's true. That's true. Because I, if anything, you Mungo, you saying that there is a mystery that you are not going to fully explain is in fact very appropriate for the video game that we're bringing on this time. This is, of course, your return to the podcast, which means after we played uh, the Red Strings Club, I suggested that you should go and play Observation, which is a video game that was released in 2019. So pretty recent. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, It's a game that is an adventure game where you take on the role of Sam, which stands for a Systems Administration and Maintenance Artificial Intelligence. Uh, So you play as like the operating system of a space station and uh, you have to help the astronauts on board the space station survive a catastrophic and bizarre event that occurs to them uh, that nobody saw coming. So uh, it's a very atmospheric video game. It's a, a very a somewhat unnerving video game. It's very heavy on uh, things like uh, deliberately withholding information and making you uh, question what's going on. Uh, and it's uh, made from a group of developers, uh, some of which worked on Alien Isolation uh, before breaking off to form their own uh, studio. And this is the result of that game. So That's some exceptional Mungo. of Wikipedia there, Lewis. <laughs> it's a summarizing it's an on-the-fly summarizing i know that was, that was very good and i i loved your your use of my comment as a segue people will believe that we <laughs> set that up but actually you're just so quick and improvisational you did it yourself thank you thank you i'm glad you read that line out so bungo <laughs> <laughs> what 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 did you think of observation well, it's funny when you gave that that introduction. It sounded like a game that I really want to play, um, and you you made it sound <laughs> you made it sound really intriguing and good. Um, no, I'm I I really didn't like Observation. Uh, if I'm honest, it's it's kind of interesting because um, I can sort of see why other people liked it. There was there was a lot of positive reception for it. Um, but to, from my perspective, there are two main problem areas, which are the gameplay and the narrative. And uh, ah. it's the problem is that's what the game is, right? So we, we can get well, we into can agree. these. We can, we can explain. I can explain why I don't think the gameplay works and why I don't think the narrative works. Um, and... Maybe you have reasons why. I, I, I would also be interested in why you recommended this game to me as well, and what, mm. what kind of what what appeals to you uh, about this game. 
So I'm gonna. So you said you don't necessarily like the gameplay or the narrative. So let's start with something that hopefully we can both agree is good about this game, which is that I think the game looks really good. Yes. Yes. So I if think, we start with what's I, yeah. good, um, the the visuals are very very good, and I think that the general atmosphere are very good. So the visuals, it's it's an extremely high fidelity uh, game. So it, it's leaning into the kind of realistic di- direction in terms of the character models and the spaceship models. And they really do, it really does look like a spaceship. And they've got a lot of effects as well in terms of you're, you're an intelligence and you use cameras to look into what's going on. And it, it really looks like you're looking through a kind of maybe early 1990s CCTV camera uh, that's been recorded on a VHS tape. It, it, the, the effects go a little bit too far, I think, sometimes in terms of like um, the sort of staticky stuff on your screen and the, the scrolling lines coming down uh, with frames and things. There's a bit too much visual noise. It, it can be irritating at times, um, but it's incredibly atmospheric. The, the audio design is brilliant as well. You know, it's, um, yeah. it's got a lot of very creepy, like string instruments and uh, sort of screeching noises and they they really managed to encompass that kind of alien feel brilliantly uh, as well as these kind of like vibrating bassy kind of things and um, so in that respect it's very good and I think if you were to watch someone playing it like for a few seconds uh, at and you didn't see their expressions they're playing. You just kind of saw the game being played. Um, you would probably assume that it's a very good game, or you you might well get the impression <laughs> that it's a very good game from this because it looks brilliant. Um, but if you watch more than a few seconds, uh, you might actually begin to start seeing some of the problems with, with the gameplay. Well, I think I think from the perspective of what it looks like this is one of the main reasons I really love this game. I think this is possibly the most immersed I've ever been in a video game from the perspective of graphics. Because I think the overlay of the, uh, as you say, like the, the visual noise from like the fact that you're using cameras. So like the, because you're playing as the operating system of this space station, so you, you see the space station through the lens of security cameras, through the lens of a little like uh, research uh, sphere that they've got they can throw mm. around the um, the space station who could be powered about via little uh, little jetpack jets which I just thought was yeah. quite cute from the perspective of watching this little thing just bob around a spaceship um, but there are times where because that visual noise is layered over the game my brain is automatically programmed to associate those sort of like visual mistakes in something as video footage of something that is real Mm. So in like small graphical details that normally in a video game would make my game my head go, this is a video game, it's not real. It kind of tricks my brain into going, well, the reason that looks weird is because this is a videotape of a real thing. And then I'll have to go, no, it's not, it's a video <laughs> game. So yeah. it's I think it's it's really, really clever use of a visual filter as a way to make the game more immersive. And as you say, when you bump into something, the camera glitches. Yeah. And causes more visual noise to appear. And again, that made me feel bumping into something more than most anything in a game. Normally when you walk into something in a game, you're like, what a mild inconvenience. I shall mm. navigate around this box I have found. And Whereas in this game, I'd bump into something. In older games, you often feel... You don't really feel like you've run into something at all, right? Like if, you, if your feet hit something and your camera's above your feet you can just like stop or like slide a bit and you're like what what just happened oh i walked into something yeah <laughs> well especially because this is a game where the consequences of a lack of gravity are largely what you spend most of the game fighting. Yes. You spend a lot of this video game desperately trying to kill your momentum so that you can interact with something. <laughs> um so I think I think so from from the off sound and graphics this game like grabbed me when I first mm. played it because I went wow I've never felt such a sense of place in a game I've never felt so uh, immediately and unnervingly in 
uh, an actual location in a video game. And I think as well, there's particular sections in the game where you go outside the space station and into space. And I found those absolutely terrifying because <laughs> the sheer, like that whole idea of the vastness and uncontrollability of being adrift in space was very, very much sold to me. And I was like, oh my God, I do not want to go anywhere away from the space station. I am so scared of drifting into space forever. Okay, well, I, you know, that's a... I guess I can now understand more why you recommended this game to me. Like, if, if you know, if you want atmosphere, it does have atmosphere. Um, that's, that is something that is, is very, uh, very strong in this game. And it also, another thing that I would also recommend is uh, the voice acting, I think, is generally uh, pretty good. Um, it's it's a little mm. bit of a mix because I think that the, there are problems with the story and script which become hard to distinguish from problems with the voice acting, which I'll go into a little bit more when we get into like the spoilers section. Um, but definitely as a kind of... You, your own character, you have a voice actor, you don't speak very much, but Sam has this uh, sort of very neutral, uh, appealing, kind sort of it's a very Hal from 2001 a space odyssey kind of uh computer bot voice and i think that acting is fantastic um and the yeah. um the emma fisher who is the chief science officer on the ship the the main protagonist woman um her mm. voice acting is generally uh very good uh from from the start um and then Later on, I don't think the character works as well, and I think that, that it's more fundamental, the problems later on, than the acting. Well, let's, let's, go, let's go now into like the main thing mm. of any video game, which is the, the playing of the video game. We will yeah. get to the narrative, and we're going to put up a big spoiler there, because I think this is a game that does have a big spoiler, yeah. actually. Uh, and it's, and it's earlier than you'd think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the ga- the gameplay of this is you are playing as the space station, which I know to someone listening, that doesn't make any sense what I've just said. Um, but essentially you play as uh, the computer that lives in the space station. So you can observe things through security cameras. You can open and unlock doors after achieving certain security clearances or solving certain like... Uh, malfunctions that have occurred on the space station and you can also travel through the space station using a little sphere thing and most of this game is basically trying to find things and and then using the thing you've found to open a door largely yeah so it's not it's not a very action-packed game no it's pretty uh it's, it is it does have puzzles though it does have legitimate puzzles it does have have puzzles and um so yeah, there are a lot of things that I can get into in terms of uh, gameplay problems. So one of the one of the earliest things that happens in the game uh, that was a little bit of a warning sign, and I think kind of summarizes some of my problems with it, is right at the very beginning, uh, Emma Fisher kind of wakes up and uh, there's problems with the space station. She comes over to you, the computer, and she says authenticate with her own voice, and you have a choice of accept or reject, right? And you can either yeah. accept her into the system or you can reject her. And uh, if you reject, then she'll try again, and then you can reject again, and then she will override, and her voice authentication wasn't necessary after all. She just needed to kind of key a number in, and then she's in charge. And this, this, ha- <laughs> this voice authentication happens, uh, I think, three times, maybe more, in the game. And every single time you can accept or reject, and if you reject, then you'll just be overridden. And it it kind of sort of sums up this sort of sense of like why why is this even a video game, right? Like what what mm. additional you, you know because you say we're playing as the space station, but I don't think that the metaphor of, of who you are as the computer was kind of properly resolved here it's not really worked out what your agency is or what the what your functionality is there so this you know this authentication it's 
Because because you're a computer that can, in that one case of authentication, reject what the human characters have put in, and then you can get overridden. And in no other situation in the entire game can you reject them. Uh, you always just end up doing what you're told. So what's that? Right. What's yeah. the point? Like I, it's a very Kieran, strange not- <laughs> way to get out of the door. I think. So Mungo, I think the point of those sections is to emphasize that you do not have a lack you you do not have a choice. You are a computer, you can be overridden. You don't have agency. You are the operating system of a of a space station. If my computer locks me out because I forgot my password, I can navigate my way around that and unlock the computer. Right. There are ways to do that. There is in fact one instance in this game where uh that level of you denying a character does lead to like your agency as a computer is destroyed because the i think a large portion of the point of particularly the lack of choices you have despite the fact you are presented with choices is that you are not playing as a consciousness that can make independent decisions you are playing as the operating so system of a space station the problem with what you're saying is what you're describing is the agency of a slave rather than the agency of yes. a machine Right, so a slave might be able to say no, but will then get whipped and made to do the thing anyway. A computer does not have yes. the capacity to reject people in simple. Uh, you know, the thing is that you even do the authentication test yourself. So I think it would be more effective sure. if you did the authentication test, and then if it fails, your only response is reject, and if it succeeds, your only response is accept, because that's more like the way that a computer works. The well, computer what, doesn't have any choice. Well, why Well, why does a computer accept or reject an input? Because the input matches with whatever it needs to measure it up against. So what determines whether or not the matching is accurate? Well, you you get told in the game whether it's accurate or not. And you, sometimes you, your systems are faulty yeah. and they say she's not Emma Fisher. And then you can choose to, to accept her or reject her. I think... So, I mean, yeah. so my argument in response to that is that essentially the way that a computer decides whether or not something is like authentic or inauthentic or like validated or invalidated is it uses an internal artificial intelligence. Mungo, you are that internalised artificial intelligence. You are the computer's intelligence trying to solve the problem. The fact you can be overridden is evidence of the fact that a computer can deny you, but you can still be overridden because as a computer, you do not have complete control or agency over everything that happens to you. So you are the artificial intelligence of the machine. It is your job to decide whether or not something is validated or not. And yes, you can be overridden. But I think like any machine you've ever used, you always take the path of least resistance of I'll use the voice authentication. And then when that doesn't work, you go, I'll sod it, I'll type my code in. (laughs) Okay, Uh, I will park that point because I I don't think that we're going (laughs) to... Um, so there are a lot of there are a lot of issues. I don't know whether whether I should kind of go through what the gameplay tries to do and then why it, it doesn't work. Maybe <laughs> way. So so one thing that yes. that is really interesting. About let's this keep game, it. Let's keep it away from the plot. Yeah. Let's keep it away from the plot. Yeah. Uh, there's there's plenty of things to discuss outside of the plot. Uh, so um, what so. One thing that's interesting about this game is this game was uh, created or directed by um, the main UI artist on uh, Alien, Alien Isolation. Um, Which so, massively shows, because yeah, this game looks like that game. It, so I haven't played Alien Isolation. I think that um, the there are kind of parallels with Alien. I was thinking about Alien, actually, uh, as a film to, you know, to compare some of the, the story and character bits. Um, but the fact is, like, this is made by a UI artist, and you can see the UIs are really compelling. There are a lot of really interesting-looking UIs which have this kind of 1970s-esque sci-fi feel, where it's everything's like it, it looks like it's the inside of a nuclear power station, like, or at least what I imagine the inside of a nuclear, <laughs> an old nuclear power station would look like, right? One where they still haven't like 
uh, introduced Windows XP yet. And um, yeah, yeah, a really dangerous nuclear power station. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's very appealing. And within the UIs, they can be fairly intuitive. So you can have a, a, a screen within one of your menus which explains like uh, pressure status on coupling status connected, blah, blah, blah. And you can read this uh, out. But um, you have a lot of different tabs, too many different icons and elements to keep track of for what is a, on average, six to seven hour game. Um, and then too many mm. different like types of screens with, without uh, proper explanation. It was, it, was, it was weird to me like playing this and thinking like a UI person has made this because the <laughs> UIs are really, they look really cool, but like- They do, they, yeah. They, the playing of it, like they're kind of obtuse, like, and I would describe basically the whole game generally as obtuse. So some obtuse people <laughs> like, like it, right? But it, 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 yes, all these mini games like it, yeah. are games about <laughs> are games where someone will typically give you an unclear instruction, and then you will fanny about clicking on things and trying to see what's interactive uh, until eventually you sort of stumble on working out what they were actually asking you to do and then the making it work is a fairly trivial problem like that was my experience of the game which is very very Mongo, i would like to take this moment i'd like to take this moment to be like no you're wrong i had a great time with all the uis i was never confused and no i used a guide to complete this six exactly. to seven hour game i completely agree there are moments in this video game where it's not just it's not unclear what you have to do it is unclear how yeah. like what is a button you're allowed to press i do think it this is the thing i think they tried to do something that was a good idea that they didn't fully pull off which is i think quite a lot of the interfaces are deliberately not user friendly because they are not user interfaces for a human they are yes. user interfaces for a computer yes but that is undermined by the fact that you have to interact with them as a human. Yes, and this is where I think that the gameplay and the narrative really work against each other, actually, because they've created all these computer... Mm. I, I totally agree with what you say. Like They, they look... They, they feel very kind of logic computer-esque where it's, it's sort of autistic, where, like, if you approached this and you knew exactly what the problem you were trying to solve was, then you can access what you want really easily. Um, but if you don't quite understand the, the area, then they're, they're really unhelpful. Um, the problem with this from a gameplay perspective uh, and a narrative perspective is that I'm now playing as a computer who has no mm. clue how any systems, computerized <laughs> systems work, right? I'm, it's like that problem that I described with the Red Strings Club, where I'm meant to be a suave bartender and I spend all my time pouring vodka yeah, on yeah. the floor, right? And I'm meant to be a computer. I know that he's taken damage and he's, you know, there's a lot of strange things going on, but um, it, it's this bizarre game. It, it kind of culminates in this very strange narrative experience where, like, the ship will be, like, breaking apart and a character will say, please, can you decouple this part from the ship? Because otherwise it's going to tear us apart. And then I'll be going, okay, I'm trying to do this, right? Blah, 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 I'm trying to do this. And then she's just like kind of silently standing in a corridor, waiting as this absolute <laughs> Muppet computer is doing... And, and you know why they're doing that, right? The, the reason why they just stand around and wait for you is because if they got annoyed and kind of realistically was kind of stressing out like why is this computer just not responding in any way like please i'm gonna die then that would make the game a hell of a lot more stressful and frustrating because you would then be yelling at your screen or i would at least i would be then yelling at my screen going it's not my fault you haven't explained what i meant to fucking do <laughs> It's true. I think I think it would be very entertaining <laughs> to play a video game where you play as an unresponsive computer and then the person using you, like you're just about to figure out how to do something and then the person like force closes it because clearly you don't understand what you're doing. <laughs> so I'm going to force close it and then reopen it and yeah. that'll make it work because you'll load it properly then and you'll be there as a computer going, no, if you just left it, I just figured out what I was about to do. Sadly, that isn't this video game. This is a video game in which everybody 
expects a computer to just work. I think the mistake, if they wanted to have it as the kind of frustrating, slow experience that it is, and I'm not quite sure that they had that. <laughs> is the mistake really, was making it too really modern. aiming for that frustration? Because if they made this, if they'd set this game in the se- in like a 70s future, right? Uh, so because the spaceship's full of laptops and stuff, so you know that it's set now. And the laptops look like modern laptops. They're, they're really thin. And, um, they look quite light. Um, if they'd set it in a kind of 70s style spaceship, right? Like in Alien, where the computer's like a massive room and they have to type stuff in, then you would have more of an expectation that uh, they would just sit around waiting for you to, to react. And maybe it could make like an old dialing tone kind of noise while you're playing. Like loading kind of thing um but but as a, as a modern thing yeah, like, yeah. A, a computer would never be this slow it doesn't it doesn't make any sense well i think i think there is potentially a narrative explanation to some extent of what's going on but mm. i don't i don't necessarily think it's the case that uh like yeah you're right yeah. there is a disconnect between they ask the computer to do something like decouple which also like once you figure out how to do it it, it is not hard. Yeah. It's not like they've asked the computer to process a, a million equations, which of course would take a computer a long time. They're basically telling the computer, go into this part of the interface and press this button. And yeah. you as a computer are like zooming about the ship going, do I interact with this laptop? <laughs> so that, that decoupling is a perfect example of, of uh, what I'm talking about. So I was playing this on the PC and I alternated between controller and keyboard and mouse because... It always seemed like whichever one I was mm. on, the other one was slightly less annoying. But I was trying to decouple, <laughs> and I was giving this rick, this uh, uh, these. Ah, oh, no, that's what it was. She was reading out a sequence of numbers, right? And it was what, numbers one, two, three, and four in mm. order to uh, authenticate something. And I had to put those numbers in, and I kept like a complete idiot pressing the numbers one, two, three, and four and failing, and then. When I looked at the UI, I saw that what I actually had to do was press the, cub- the keys W, A, S, and D, which had been linked to those numbers. And that's just, just mm. bizarre nonsense to me. Like, why, why is like A one now? So when I, I switched it to the controller, it was really because... easy because I don't, I don't have a number one, two, three, yeah. four on my controller pad. So I could just press A, B, Y, X. That's fine. So that that will be a porting issue. That'll be consistency yeah. across consoles. It will be that they've mapped that to directional rather than literally making it one, two, three, and four on your computer. But like that's a minor you that's a like a minor issue in the scheme of how the game works. Like you you jumped to assume one, two, and three and four yeah. work at a keyboard but as opposed to It's up, an down, example, right. Lewis. I'm not gonna go through all of the <laughs> the points where these <laughs> ambiguities happen, but they were all there were a lot of cases that were like that. Now for me this was a, this is on average six to seven hours. I completed this in less than five hours, and most of my playtime was spent either faffing around on the um, the games, not really understanding them, or the the much bigger thing was when I was a, a, a remote controlled uh, drone camera, uh, I was lost, um, and this is where yeah. it's a, it's a really visually impressive space station. But uh, it's so frustrating to play in because everywhere is massively cluttered. There are far too many things everywhere. So you, you and you can't tell straight off what things are, or, you know, what's interactive or not. Like you know, millions of laptops, but also masses of notes on the screen or on the walls, like documentation. Mm. And some of them you have to actually read for the game to continue. Um, and it, it, mm. so it all looks the same. It's all far too detailed. And uh, you're also in three dimensions, you know, with no gravity in this little drone, which yeah. also can't move up or down. You have to you have to turn and you have to strafe left or right or turn around in order to go up, you know, look up and down in order to move up and down. So I just spent so much time lost going, well, I know exactly which room I'm trying to get to, but I have no idea how to get to it because the map's not helpful. The map's, you know, a 2D representation of the ship <laughs> and if i turn around more yeah. than once i have no idea which door i'm facing again 
Yeah, no, I completely agree on this, actually. That that would be my main concern with Observation, was I found most of my gameplay time was being lost, and, as you say, not being entirely sure which objects are interactable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that I think that is something that... I mean, that's something that's just easily fixed just by installing a better map, frankly. Yeah. If If the map literally just showed orientation of which door I was facing, it mm-hmm. would fix like half the problems i had with the video game because i i agree i spent most of my time largely bouncing around a space station going i don't even know which room <laughs> i'm in and it takes it takes quite a long time yeah you move very slowly as well um which i kind of understand because i think if you moved quickly it would both a make it more difficult to control it's already as you say floating in zero gravity <laughs> you know the it's already reasonably difficult to control and i think going quicker would just make me feel nauseous mm-hmm. um but I don't know like it's interesting that they create a game in which you know you can in theory jump to any part of the spaceship at any time through the use of CCTV cameras yeah but then they don't let you interact with things unless you take the little orb there so there are instances where I would like scout ahead and go and look in the the room I need to go to and then be like ah I think that's what I need and then I'd have to get there as the little orb and it would just be like tumpty 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 tum oh no did I go left or right oh no so I think uh, so two things so one thing is I believe that this game and I may be completely wrong had some excellent QA testing so they know you know it's functional like it does it's not buggy right that's that's what I mean in terms of the QA testing but I feel like the this game probably didn't get enough player play testing uh from an early enough stage um because i really don't know about the the drones at all like whether if, if you were just using cameras right and maybe you had like a little drone that could fly off when you're going to the outside bits or maybe they had outside cameras Maybe you have a drone that you, Hmm. like, reusable drones that you can just release from any camera. So you don't actually have to, like, navigate. You only use the drone in, like, Hmm. the specific cases. Yeah, that would be... Um, That would be my solution, would be releasable drones in each room, yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose, yeah, that's basically everything I have that's a problem with the gameplay. <laughs> I mean, the, the mini games were I mean, interesting, some of them in what they were, but but most of the game is just being lost. I would say, I would say from the... I think when you're saying like they probably didn't test it in terms of like player experience, I think there's probably two, there's probably two things that happen in the development of this. And this is obviously speculation. I have no idea um the in the development of this what happened but i think they got back a play time of four to five hours and went well we can't make it any shorter <laughs> they probably went they probably thought well the fact that you have to go to all these rooms as the little drone if you don't have that experience the game's like the game becomes perfunctory almost there's almost there's almost nothing to it like you just go look at that, interact with that, activate that, doop 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 doop, and you could with without the little drone element, mm. you could probably beat this game in two hours, one hour, um, because a large amount of what you do in this game is quite simply interaction. And as you say, there are mini games, but they're not particularly challenging mini games. No, yeah. And there are puzzle elements, and they like there's some reasonably good. I think some reasonably good puzzles in here. Certainly, I think the puzzles in this game are more interactive and require more thought than just like you know click on a button now it's done yeah um but they're not they're not like massive head scratchers no that i don't think i don't think you'll ever if you get stuck in this game it will be because you're lost it probably won't be because you won't know well it's all like, it, it, it will be because you don't know something's interactable yeah it's well i also got frequently i think that their instructions are very unclear so you can ask them you can say oh i didn't understand what you said and then they'll just repeat a general instruction so they'll say like use the mm. astrophysics computer in the Russian module or whatever. And then you, if you don't know how to use that, that you, you're just going, you ask them to explain and then they just say, we use the computer in astrophysics. Like, I know the astrophysics yeah, yeah. computer in the Russian module or whatever it is, right? I, my problem is I don't really know what you're asking me to do with this, for example, that kind of thing. Uh, and that yes. was... Yeah. That, that's often... 
it's often like there there might be some people who like a puzzle where the puzzle is to work out what the puzzle is. But for me, I like a puzzle <laughs> where I understand all the terms of the puzzle and then I'm trying to work out something within that area. So, you know, like look, look. Mungo some of us like Kafkaesque nightmares. Some of us want to be asked to do something they don't fully understand the processes of. I was going to say, I think your criticisms of the gameplay are more or less the same criticisms I have. And I'm not going to... Like, this is the thing. I've, I, I, I sort of offered you observation, not because I necessarily think it's the best game ever made, because I think you've probably played most of the games I really love. I offered you observation as a game you had never played. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't think you would have played, but I thought you would get something out of and you would you would find some enjoyment in. So well, are you about to suggest we should discuss narrative? That I could uh, critique. So that's that's it, you know, a conversation anyway. <laughs> yeah. And I agree, like I've played I played a lot of games. It's uh this is a really interesting challenge actually, you know, recommending a game to somebody who uh works in games and plays and researches <laughs> games like regularly just out of kind of professional curiosity and so on. So, uh, you, you know, you're right. Like a lot of the games that I'd be curious about, I will, would probably have already bought and then dipped into. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. And also, Mungo, for a video game, someone who's designed UX in video games, like, come on, this is a game that's just full of like, you know, UI and UX type questions. They're like this. Yeah. I've never played a game that felt like this video game. I've never no, played no, a game yeah, right. where I was presented the computer's perspective. Mm. It, is, and it is a very interesting challenge that they set themselves. And I would be very curious if anybody does something similar again, um, you know, a game where you are the computer and whether this is something that a different studio could tackle in a way that appeals to uh, slightly less obtuse players. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting problem because I feel like in terms of the goal of you're going to play this game as the operating system and as the computer, they very much, I think they really nail that experience of what it is like to see the world from the computer's perspective what they don't necessarily nail is turning that into an experience that's a fun game that someone wants to play i feel like there's like a slight they've they've gone so hard on the immersive element of you interact as a computer that the like enjoyment element of and it's a fun and enjoyable experience like the phoenix wright games are about being a lawyer but they cut the paperwork yeah like they 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 introduce the interesting bit whereas quite a lot of this game they don't cut the paperwork as it were they don't cut a lot of the minor interactions that take a long time and as a result there's a certain element of like i don't know like the the immersion overtakes the fun and to a certain level once you do that you will lose the player's attention to some degree perhaps they could have they could have approached it in slightly different ways with you know maybe more of an earlier at the beginning of the game you're you're familiarized with the system so you're given easy to do things with clear instructions uh in some kind of pre mm. pre-game context uh where you learn how to use all of these tools and then you're able to use all these tools later. There's also an interesting like parallel universe where somebody made a version of this game that was kind of open, where you're, you're just a computer system that can do lots of different things uh, and then is given the opportunity to respond to crises in different ways. So what if you were a computer system that could just decouple any module, right, at any time? And <laughs> and what do you do then? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe that's a terrible game. I, I, you know, someone would need to kind of explore that a lot more. But... Um, that sounds like a like a computer sim game almost. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like sim space station and you're just like yeah i'm just gonna just gonna remove oxygen from this room see what happens yeah, why oh yeah they all die oh yeah. dear <laughs> so would you do you have anything more to say about the gameplay i think before we go into the plot my my general sort of feeling on saying to, to observation to someone listening to this who's like heard what we've said so far i do this every single time there's a game with a plot on it i basically go if you're interested 
give it a go. Stop listening now. Observation is a game that has a very early reveal that isn't in any of the marketing uh, and isn't like... I've certainly had no idea this was part of the plot of the game. And it's probably the coolest thing in the game, I would say. So if you're vaguely interested uh, and you end up spoiling that element for yourself, I would say largely don't bother. <laughs> if you... if if you go into observation knowing the events of observation, you're probably not going to get much out of it. But I would say not knowing the events of observation makes observation, or at least for me, made observation a very compelling experience and made me want to finish it and made me want to, uh, you know, uh, it, it like the, the, uh, the central mystery of the game is at least presented in a very strong way once you get there. And I really enjoyed the element. So I would definitely say if you are vaguely interested in Observation and you think you might play it, uh, I believe it's been on a few game services. I think it might have been given away on the Epic Game Store. I got it through PlayStation Now. So if you get PlayStation Now, it's on there. And I think it's also on Xbox Game Pass. So odds are you might well already own this game or have access to this game. And if what you've heard so far is interesting to you, go and play it. Don't listen to the rest of this podcast. It will ruin it. <laughs> Okay. Um, so Mungo. So now, now we, now I can spoil this. Now I can ruin. Do do yeah, to the yeah, story yeah. what I did to the gameplay. Um, so yeah. So <laughs> the the problem with the narrative, right, is I could summarize the narrative really simply, right? You're a space station. Okay. You teleported to Saturn or traveled there somehow, uh, and there's a bunch of copies of your space station in which everyone goes mad and kills each other. And and that's it. There, there's nothing... That's the whole thing, and there's nothing, like, deeper that you can particularly learn about yourself or any of these characters. Um, I, no, I think there's a bit more to it than that. It might, be, it might just be that I'm reading into it. But also, Munga, can we just start off with... You are teleported to Saturn. Right, yeah. That's the big early game reveal. Is that you're trying you you like as a computer you wake up something's gone wrong, and then like an hour in or so you get a shot and it's an um, I think an amazing shot of Saturn. Yeah. And you go, what the? F yeah. Because I think particularly because the game is sold as so realistic. Like this is a space station that could exist. It uses existing technology. It looks realistic. I got very immersed because my brain's tricked by VHS quality video. And then suddenly you go, we're next to Saturn. Oh my God, we're next to Saturn. We're dead. We're so dead. There's no coming back from Saturn. You are like over a hundred years like how many years is it to get from saturn to earth it's like it's not a lifetime basically you're yeah. you're you're never going home yeah and that to me was like an and also obviously the mystery is how on earth did we get to saturn like like what has happened to get us to saturn um and what I, had happened I, look, it was it that, was magical tiny whiny space stuff that's why basically well Kind of, kind of. So as you say, you then also get the discovery of there are identical space stations to yours. Yes. Which is then a, which is then like that's not just like a plot reveal. That's like a large element of how the game works. You then go into an experience where you jump from one space station to another yeah. and interact with like alternate universes of other characters that the protagonist already knows. And that's it's like. And it's so frustrating because it's a really I, I agree, like when we turned up to be on Saturn, I I was like I was thinking, this is this is an interesting reveal. I'm interested to see where they go with this. Um and the mm. the idea of having lots of ver similar versions of characters, uh probably a lot of interesting things could be done with it. But in the end, you're just you've just got space crazies. You know, that's that's all, like, <laughs> there's some kind of alien force that makes everybody kill each other and then turn up to a thing which is just like a, a monolith in 2001. And and it's just... So the, it's not it's not space crazies i don't think i think the, i think them killing each other is our survival instinct because i think what happens in obs i mean i'm like, it's been a few months since i played it but my memory of observation in terms of why everyone's being killed is you go to the other space station 
And during the course of the plot, you find out that the captain of the space station, his mission was to get the space station to a set of coordinates that had been sent to the Earth base, yeah. who were like, get get this woman to these coordinates because we've received a transmission that has essentially requested that. And apparently we just fulfill requests when we receive them. We're like a radio DJ, but intergalactically. And, um, <laughs> and so his... His murdering of other people on the space station is because he's trying to survive on the space station because he knows there is not enough supplies and he he like he's going back to Earth base. He's like contacting Earth base and going like I did my job. I got her to the place. You you can't let me die. I'm going to survive this. I'm going. I, you can't just kill me off. I'm not that unimportant as it were. And he's also lived with the guilt of knowing that he's basically taking them into something that they might not come back from. He, they, I don't think it's necessarily that they know it's going to teleport them all to Saturn. Yeah, but it's an event. It's an event that occurs like across realities because all of these space stations come from alternative dimensions. Yes. Yeah. So, and you are essentially playing as the station that makes it. You are the one space station out of all of the alternate realities. You're the one that gets Jenna Fisher onto the surface of Saturn and survive. Yeah, I mean. So, okay. So if we think about if we think about each of the characters as characters, then we can kind of see what sure. we make of them. So you talked about Jim, the, the captain. So Jim is probably the most interesting. Um, so yeah, he has a kind of secret mission. So he's in charge of the space station, and uh, he's has some secret mission that he's getting people to work on. And people have been complaining. This is this turns up in the audio logs. Like people have been complaining about being given extra work, but they're not sure what it is, and it's to do with some secret mission mm. from from Earth or whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, then when he gets there, he's he's just dead in your um, your own spaceship, and then in the other one, he's been yeah, he doesn't people. make it in your one, yeah, um, but. Which explains why you meet him, because he's the version that survives. Right, but but the audio logs on the other space station are just saying like he's acting crazy. He's he's what's going on, right? Like I don't get this sense of uh, this being a desperation for supplies and things. There's there's no clues uh, unless I just happen. Did you run across clues, or is this a story that that came together in your own head? No, my. In my head, it's just that, like, that's the gym that survives. That's, like, he's he's the one that makes it because the idea is that all of these space stations come and all of them fail in some way. Mm. All of them, like, either have, like, a system failure or the way the crew interacts means it doesn't succeed. And so by the time you get to where you are in the game, you've got two space stations, the one that you start on, that makes it, but the space station is severely damaged and basically will not make it. Yeah. It's going to fail. And you get supplies from another spaceship, another space station that's also about to fail. But the 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 configurate like the sort of universal configuration of that spaceship is the Captain Jim decided the only way he was gonna survive. Because his like his motivations once he gets onto yours are to survive at any cost. He is completely determined that like he will do anything to survive including killing people on your space station including deactivating you as a computer which i found a very alarming moment when i'm trying to like stop him <laughs> from getting rid of me so i don't he think won't, it was, like, it wasn't he... clear to me that his killing was motivated by survival or how that made how that worked as a survival uh instinct his his killing seemed quite arbitrary to me and Okay. That was born out in the in the audio logs I found where people were just saying like, "Oh, he's what's going on? He's acting very strangely and things." And um, I think that him killing to survive would have been a more interesting would have made him a more interesting character actually. Uh, so maybe you you kind of read this in a way that meant you had a better story experience when I I <laughs> played it yeah. through and. You know, and I don't. I don't think you know it should be. It shouldn't be too expositional. I think if we look at Red Strings Club, Red Strings Club is an example of a game that wants to explain everything that's happened, right? Uh, mm. And that is very unreal, unrealistic. 
Uh, whereas this game is leaning more into like, let there be ambiguities. I think that's okay, but I don't feel like the creators knew what was going on with Jim because <laughs> because there would have been more of a sense, you know, right. Imagine that it was a thing about survival on that space station. Well, then the audio logs and the the entries on the laptops and things could have been about, you know, we've all been on here for weeks now and we're trying to work out what to do and blah, blah, blah. And now there's more tensions and so on. And it could have been a lot more like a fallout vault, right? There, there are there are ways in which that story has been told very effectively. In Bioshock 1, for example, there's a lot of that, that kind of stuff. Whereas... Well, Bioshock, Bioshock 1 is full of they are the crazies. Like, the whole premise is they injected themselves with blue juice and now they are the crazies. Yeah, but they also came to uh, the, uh, the island under the sea, or whatever you call it. Um, they came to Rapture yes, because they were did not want to live in normal society. You know, it's this land of like extreme libertine uh, kind of indulgent, uh, egotistical characters. Right, right. Um, and the these characters are a little bit more interesting in terms of their their values and things. Like you have a guy who's who, who has this, this aesthetic about about turning people into like Picasso style paintings, but real people like mutilating them into them and things like that. So yes, yeah, I think they're a bit more. No, look, you're going to get no argument from me that Bioshock <laughs> has got more interesting characters than a better yeah. world. I think Bioshock is one of my all-time favorite games. But like, this has a certain element of like, I think, I think for me. So look, this is this is going to be a huge excuse that you're going to say is absolutely not okay to give <laughs> the game this much value, like this much leeway. But basically, you're you're right to say if you stop and think about the game and the characters, largely doesn't make sense. But it's very compelling. You, it's very compelling to find out what's going on, even though you don't really find out what's going on. From moment to moment. <laughs> What I'm saying, what I'm saying, my is this is an amazing game if you don't care about the ending of stories. Yeah, I mean, well, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I can't really disagree. With that, right? <laughs> um, I mean, uh, to to me, it wasn't great through a lot of the experience of it as well, right? Um, and I think actually, if I talk just a little bit about some of the other characters, I think I can show like other problems. Mm. Um, so Emma herself. Uh, my my issue with Emma is like she kind of starts out and you get this sense that she's sort of a fairly calm, perseverant, quite intelligent person. But then relatively early on, like the, after the weird stuff starts happening, she stops seeming to try to work out what's going on. Um, and uh, this is before even the, she's seen all these weird signs and the alien things. She's, she's changed. She says, oh, I'm different. Um, like, and yes. then the so then then she's she's like this kind of becomes this very bland character, and also because you are this stupid computer that can't do anything properly, or at least that's my experience of the game. <laughs> then she in turn kind of some of your stupidity rubs off on her because she becomes somebody who just sort of stands outside of an airlock waiting for you to work out how to open it, and not sort of looking on the laptops and like communicating constantly you know texting on her phone to try and contact the others or whatever right like looking up in a manual what's happening like i think that there would be if she was a real clever scientist figure she would be doing a lot of things to try and work out what's happening um and then i think that the turn with the looking into these signs and then she changes it just feels like such a cop-out because then she's allowed to have a complete character shift to then just she's like a zombie like later on she's just like very bland totally lost all of her curiosity uh uh she just wants to get to the saturn to something happens right so that something can happen and 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 that's like well her character doesn't make any sense at all right and, and the excuse is, well, she saw some symbols from some alien thing. And that and, and you don't yeah. know anything about the alien thing. You see the symbols and they change no. you. They turn you into a murder. And it's just like... It's like if you take any 10-second slice of the narrative, it's a really... It could be quite a compelling 10-second slice. But if you 
if you try and put the slices together, it, it, if you if this was a film, it would be an absolutely terrible film. Like if this was if two thousand, probably be Prometheus. <laughs> if you compare two thousand one Space Odyssey, all the, the the two astronauts and the computer in that, they all have their own reasons for what they're for what they're doing, and there's also even though the aliens in that could have changed uh, how. Um, and they, he could be doing something with the aliens. There's a kind of in-universe explanation of what Al's doing anyway, and there's there's alternate explanations as well. So Hal doesn't makes an error, and then the people pick up on the error, and then they see that it, it, he's done something wrong. And you might think that uh, Hal kind of kills them out of fear that they're going to shut him down. You might think that Hal has some kind of self-preservation instinct, which is like about like preserving its own ego. So it's like, I can't be someone who's made mistakes. This must be somehow the human's fault, right? Or it might be something else that the, the monolith creators have, uh, have inspired. So, yeah, that's my issues with the, the narrative. And then that's your the analysis end, of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah, I'll just throw that in there for free, you know. <laughs> and then at the end, you get to your own equivalent of a monolith. And there's a whole lot of figures, shadowy figures in the background who are probably other versions of Emma. And she floats up, and she's she's joined in there. And then, oh no, the real end is you're back on Earth, and you're her, and you're going to absorb everyone. Yep. And and it just you're her and and, and Sam and your emerged well. consciousness. Yeah. And it's and it says ugh. and then it fi- ends on the final instruction, which is bring them. Bring them. Which yeah. like the first instruction you get in the game is bring her. So the implication is you are now going to bring everyone on Earth to the hexagon on Saturn where they will be merged into a single consciousness was what I interpreted yes. it as. Yes, and that's what I interpreted it as and, as well. Yeah. And I not- think there's sort of the implication. So I feel like the point of this game was what if you played as the villain in a sci-fi movie? Yeah. What if you played as the murderous computer that turns against the crew? Because from a certain perspective, that's basically what happens to Jim. Uh, Jim <laughs> Jim is basically desperately trying to get back home to Earth without being killed, and then the computer kills him. Yeah. Um, and not, not by accident. And while you're shutting all the doors, um, he just stands in the room and goes, don't shut the doors. <laughs> it takes you like, three <laughs> he does. He's, minutes. He's... <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair as well, just to, just to link back to a minor point you made earlier... I think the authentication sections where you can authenticate and like either approve or deny are also done to instill a sense of paranoia in the player because once you learn that there are doppelgangers, you then have to go like, oh no, I don't want to let a doppelganger in. Yeah. Do I not want to let a doppelganger in? What are the doppelgangers? Like the, the way mm. the game withholds information from you at different stages of the narrative. This is what I mean by it's like, it's really compelling to play rather than to read because if you read it the solutions to all of your questions appear immediately mm. whereas when you're playing it there are illusory decisions not real decisions illusory decisions that you are making as a computer where you're like i don't want to make the mistake <laughs> of getting everyone killed yeah it reminds me it, i feel like it's a lot like a kind of doctor who episode where you know you can get you can get kind of interesting concepts but also if somebody tries to think about it too much, it can just be very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a game that's nearly about something, but then actually isn't about anything. Yeah. <laughs> because I think there's a there's a cool idea in here. And I feel like I'm I'm someone who does like ambiguity in a story. You know, I do I do so I I prefer stories that end on a question mark rather than a full stop and leave you to think about what might have happened. Um and there's a certain element of that to this, but it does also feel more like, you're right, they don't really want to explain what the thing on Saturn is, other than to make it scary and unstoppable. Mm. And they don't they don't end on the right question. The the right question for this game to end on would not be what is going on and what is going to happen. It would the correct question to end on would have been what is going to happen, not what is going on, because you kind you kind of need a little bit more. Like you probably mm. need to explain, like at the very least, what the he- like is the hexagon 
a conscious element? Is the hexagon like, you know, what what has caused the events of this to happen? Not necessarily mm. like full-blown motivations or anything like that. We don't necessarily need to know like the alien race that created the hexagon. We just need to know is the is the intention of the alien that you end up meeting to like conquer earth is the intention of the alien that you meet to actually bring peace and it's hopefully going to make everything better but at the very least we need to know what it wants we want more of a sense of the motivation of the, of the humans as well what, what was this whole mission for i mean is it if it's just discovery i think that the discovery element of alien right works better because you know that wayland mm. even though it's not like highlighted you know that Wayland Yutani is a uh, corporation which is cl- like somehow closely connected to a highly authoritarian government, possibly a dictatorship. Um, and like you have this this sense of this, like uh, in, in the kind of theming of the, of the film, and so and this is just a mining ship, right? It's some random people who happen mm. to have come across. Uh, or seem to have happened to have come across this signal, and the so the corporation and the government have just sent completely expendable people and a single android, and they're going, okay, we'll just capture this alien and we'll bring it back somewhere like where then more capable people can presumably board the ship and like isolate it and take it for themselves, right? They, we only need the alien to be on the ship long enough that it sets course back to the solar system. Um, and that's sort of... that We sort of get what the people are about. Um, we don't know, particularly know what the alien's mm. about, but we don't, that doesn't matter in, in Alien. In this case... Well, the, the aliens in Alien are just animals that don't want to die. Yeah. And like, from, and like from, a cer- from a certain perspective... Just a very hungry the boy. Sto- <laughs> the story of Alien. Yeah, the story of Alien is uh, a... Uh, a young adult is kidnapped by an alien race and then proceeds to desperately try to escape. <laughs> <laughs> and they try and set it on fire. Oh, God. Yeah, they they're trying to kill it. Poor little like, alien. They, you know, it becomes a mother during the process. Like, mm. like from the perspective... Like, and that, I look, I, that, is, that is literally in this Wikipedia article. Part of the inspiration of this game was if you look at Alien from the perspective of Alien... The alien, the alien's done nothing wrong. The alien is terrified and is trying to like survive this this kidnapping. Yeah, um, but the people kidnapping it don't even realize they've kidnapped it. Um, so I think I think you're right to conclude that if you if you put together this jigsaw, it's five different jigsaws that don't really click together. Mm. Um, but I think, and you know, if we if I'm if I'm to argue the game's case the journey's more important than the destination. Like, I feel like minute to minute, the story of this game is really, really compelling. And while it's a trick, while it turns out to be a sleight-of-hand trick and there's nothing actually there, and it's like, there isn't really any satisfying answers, um, the journey of having those questions is really interesting and I found exciting. Well, okay then. Uh, In the minute to minute of this (laughs) bumbling drone that doesn't know where it's going... It's it's wandering around a kind of interesting, if incoherent space. Uh, I, I think, um, yeah, there we go. So uh, I think yeah. I can give my kind of my thumbs up or thumbs down now. So is sure, is sure. Uh, is observation? I forgot the name of the game just now. Is observation the best game <laughs> I've ever played? No. Uh, now I can use the same logic we've done on a previous episode. I can say now that I've played it, it's not a yeah. game I've never played, but it's also um, I would say it even it ranks fairly low amongst games that I have played actually in in my estimation. Wow. Um, well, tell so... <laughs> that to the sixteen British Academy Game Awards who gave this best British game. I don't really know what else was nominated. It also won in the British Academy Scotland Awards. It won Best Game. This is the best game Scotland made in 2019, Mungo. So if Scottish games aren't going to do it for you, I've got to go look elsewhere. I've got to find <laughs> out. You know. Well, if you enjoyed that, I would recommend Stories Untold. I also played Stories Untold, which I had kind of mixed feelings about, which is the pre- the predecessor to this game by the same studio. It's also horror, but it's a kind of uh, mixtape oh. combination. Combi- 
compilation of horror uh, vignettes uh, which are tied together. Uh, I, I think maybe slightly more coherently. Um, it's very similar mm. in many ways. Uh, I think the gameplay is also probably better. Um, so if you, <laughs> yeah, if you give that a go, then that's uh, that's an interesting alternative. All right. Well, thank you for coming back on. I'm I'm disappointed I didn't find the best video game you've ever played. I'll be honest, I, I wasn't. I'm not massively surprised <laughs> um, because it's hard to find games you haven't played that aren't just new games. Um, but I think I think at the very least, Observation is an interesting video game. Yeah, I like finding video games that I don't think are like other video games, and I don't think this is like another video yeah. game, albeit you could categorize it as a type of walking simulator and apparently i like those a lot more than i thought i did <laughs> so so there we go but thanks for coming back on mungo it was, it was and lovely. uh i hope you find better games to play in the future thank you thank you well i feel a little bit guilty i feel like i sort of killed your baby <laughs> but uh yeah no no time. it's fine it's fine you've just killed you've killed scotland's road <laughs> that's what you've killed <laughs> Well, there we go. That was Mungo Tatton Brown talking about Observation. Sadly, not a video game that he thought was the best he'd never played. But I had a great time talking to him about it. Uh, I found the game really fun and interesting. Maybe after listening to this, I mean, you know every single plot detail, so I would say realistically, there's no real reason you should play it. Uh, but I had a really good time with it, and I'll definitely be keeping an eye on the studio to see what else they put out in the near future. If you like this podcast, please leave us a nice review on iTunes or all the other places that you can leave nice reviews for podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, at GameNeverPlayed. I actually bothered to sit down and change uh, how the podcast is listed because the previous handle was appalling. Uh, and you can also find this podcast at pod.link slash bestgame uh, to find all the different places that you can listen to it. We're on Spotify, we're on iHeartRadio. We're all over the place. There's no place you can't get this podcast. Uh, Frankly, I don't know why I'm telling you this, because if you're listening to the end of the podcast, you found the podcast. Stay safe, everyone.